let's read that. So James chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for allowing us to come together, Father. I thank you for allowing us just to hear your word, Father, and giving us words that we can memorize and that you can just speak deeply into our heart as we work through those. I pray that, that you would give us many blessings as we, as we study your word and memorize your word, that you would give us opening conversations to share that word with others. Father, I pray as we study your word today that our hearts will be open to what you want us to do, Father. We will listen, Father, but more importantly, that we will do that we will honor you by what the actions are that you call us to do. We praise you and we love you. Every day. Amen. All right, so that first verse, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. So how does what we say and do reflect upon God and our beliefs in God? How do our actions, more importantly, what we say around people, how does that reflect about what we believe in God? It makes a big difference in the world when we hear somebody that goes to church all the time, but then we listen to them talk in their daily life. And it's a totally different thing, right? They say things that are contrary to what the Bible says or what God would say, but then they try to act all holy and say things that they think are right. Are we, do our conversations with other people reflect God's wisdom as we learn by chapter verse 5 or does it reflect what our desires are and not God's desires do we put our desires in front of what God wants as I read with the, the kids and the youth today it was talking about several different things that we put over the repentance of God or the um, peace that God gives us right and his um, I went blank on the word. What was the word, Rhett? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I hate when I have to track of what a word is. But we put it over what God's love for us. So whether it be control or acceptance of others, we want that sometimes above God. Our comfort, our wealth, we put that in front of what God has planned for us. Our happiness, we can kind of put that sometimes in front of what God's calling us to do. Right? Because sometimes being a Christian is a long, hard life at doing what God calls to do. It may not be the easiest path for what we think is easy, but it's what God calls us to do. And we see that time and time again through God's Word as we look at different um, people that God sent on mission trips to do things, and He had a hard message that they had to give. And that he had, they had to give messages of, of hopelessness to some people because they weren't going to repent of God's repent. But Isaiah, that's Isaiah, he was, his message he had to give was a message of hopelessness to people, that things were going to go bad. That wasn't an easy road for Isaiah. We look at Paul, who went through so many sufferings and pain as he proclaimed God's word to the people around him. I mean, just think about all the different things that Paul went through. Those were not easy times for him. But he still followed through and obeyed God's word. And so as we talk and we reflect our beliefs, does it show that we worship the Creator? Or does it show that we worship the created? Right? Does our heart and our actions and what we say and do 
Does it show that we are worshiping God or are we worshiping the things He created? Uh, there are things in life that are that we love, and this weekend starts football, right? College football starts, high school football is going, and sometimes we watch those games. We don't see as much this year because God's taken fans away from it. But when you watch it, there are a lot of people there at those games worshiping a game of people that God created. We're athletes that God created, and they forget to worship God. We see it all kinds in the world. We see people worship movie stars. And when you watch videos of people, like in the videos of like Michael Jackson walking down the street in other countries where there's parades and people just fainting at the sight of him, just wanting to touch him or just see his face, and they're just praising and they're worshiping it. It's just true what we worship. And we don't do that for God at times. We worship the created and not God. So what is what we say and do? How does that reflect our beliefs on who God is? In Psalms 34, 1 through 7. It says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord and the humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim Yahweh's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and, my, and delivered me from my fears. Those who look at him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues him. And if we skip down to verse 11, it says, Come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who is the man who delights in love, loving a long life to enjoy what is good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. So in those two different pieces there, we see two different things. One, it's lips that are proclaiming God's grace and God's love. And then it gives us a warning to, uh, to keep our tongues from evil and our lips from deceitful speech. Right? So our tongues and our mouth are made to worship God. And sometimes we fall into the trap of deceitfulness and evil coming out of our mouths. Whether it be just unpleasant things where we should just keep our mouth shut. Um, and then let's look at Psalms 39 verses 1 and 2. Here it says, I said I will guard my ways so that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. As long as the wicked are in my presence, I was speechless and quiet, and I kept silent, even from speaking good, and my pain intensified. So here we see David, and he's going through some tough times. He's with people that he doesn't trust. He said, I'm going to keep my tongue from evil, keep my tongue from sinning, so I'm going to guard my mouth with a muzzle. Uh, the muzzle's meant to keep it shut. We think of a dog that keeps it down so it can't bite and can't do evil things. Here he's saying, I'm going to keep my tongue from saying things that aren't honoring of the Lord, even like it's a muzzle, so I can't say anything. I'm even going to hold myself to keep from saying evil. I'm not even going to say good. I'm going to keep it all quiet so that I can keep control of what I'm saying. Because how often do we try to have an intention to say something good, and then we allow ourselves to take over and something bad comes out, right? Something evil, maybe we didn't mean to say something or do something. We had a time when we probably should have just kept our mouth shut to start with. We had the intention of doing one thing and, and 
we allowed our old nature to kind of take over and say say the wrong thing in the wrong situation. Here's, here he's saying, I'm going to just keep quiet. I think he was upset with some stuff going on, and he was just going to keep quiet rather than saying the wrong thing at the wrong time and dishonoring the Lord. So do we have control of what we say to those around us? That's a sign of a, a strong Christian, somebody that has control over what they're saying and what they're doing. Can we keep control even in the times of anger and times of being upset? Can we keep control to not say those things? I think back in elementary school, there was the old saying, um, sticks and stones can break my stones, uh, bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? We all heard that before. But as I've gotten older, and I'm sure we've all kind of realized this, that sticks and stones may break our bones, but sometimes the words we say can just tear a person in two. And it can be much worse than, than hitting them or throwing something at them. Sometimes in, the, in the, the right word statement at the wrong time can cause a lot of pain in somebody's life. And we may, it may not be something we meant to say, but we weren't thinking before we said it. We didn't have control and think before we spoke. But sometimes we say things that it may hurt that person in the moment. We don't realize it because we're not trusting God to let us, lead us in our speech in those tough times. I know as doing... In counseling, as I dealt with people, especially people that had lost loved ones, you had to be very careful in what you said because if you said that something that sounds comforting to us isn't necessarily comforting to somebody who just lost a loved one. And it can make them hurt even more or make them angry because we're going against what God's plan is there. And we're saying the wrong thing. Even though we're trying to be comforting, it's the wrong thing and it ends up hurting that relationship with you and sometimes even pushes them away from God too because you've said the wrong thing. So we got to be very careful in what we say because those words can't hurt people. So the real question is, is, are we quick to listen to those around us or do we just tell people our thoughts? Do we listen to those around us before we say anything? And do we pause? Are we quick to hear and slow to speak? That's where a lot of times our tongue gets us in trouble is when we're quick to speak and slow to listen. We can say the wrong thing at the wrong moment because we're not listening to where people are hurting, where they're struggling, and what they really need. James 1.27, going to the next verse, says, A pure, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So to look after orphans and widows. Orphans and widows at this time, they were the most needy group in the society. Right? Without a husband or a father to take care of them, to go out and make money, to have land, to have houses, they were left in extreme poverty and had nothing. Um, during this time, there wasn't government programs to help the poor. They were just off on their own. They had to beg for food. They had to try to find whatever they could find, right? The only help they really had was the, um, the workers of the field that were, the Jews would leave the edges of the field for them to go out and pick what was left over of the field. They, they purposely left the corner so that the poor could go out and grab food, what little they could get. And so that was all they really had. So they didn't have anything if nobody was looking out for them, if nobody was willing to help them. So the question then for us is, we have orphans, we have widows still today with us, right? There's still those two groups of people. 
and there's programs that help them. And it's not necessarily that they struggle forever, right? Widows have other ways of maybe making money now. It's not quite as dependent on a man being in the house. But there's still needs for them spiritually and financially too that we can help with. But as I thought about it, how many other groups are there that are peoples of need that we may be able to help? So I thought of a, a, few, a few of them. So we still have our orphans and widows. You can go to the next slide, patients. We have our orphans and widows, which are always going to be amongst us. But as I look at other things that I've read about recently, human trafficking victims. It's a huge problem in the world today, worldwide. It's, today there are more slaves in, that, in those industries than there are ever before on, the, on earth. And we just kind of overlook that idea, whether it be un, unspeakable things, whether it be just people who are forced to work in, in houses and they don't have any choices. Political refugees. So around the world there's politics that are causing people to have to leave countries and they're and they're suffering and they're hurting because they don't have anything in their home country. They're being pushed away, um, whether it be in Turkey where the government's going against Christians, whether it be Egypt or uh, Iran where people are just persecuted for the political beliefs or the, spirit, or the spiritual beliefs. People with addictions, we deal with that locally a lot, I'm sure. There's people in this town that have addictions. And when I say addictions, we all think of the the quick and easy ones, right? We think of drugs and alcohol, but we don't think of other addictions that we have. Cell phone usage, watching too much sports and ignoring our family, gambling, right? Maybe people with food addictions, they, they eat too much and they can't control what they eat. But people are hurting with addictions. And then uh, the last on that list is poverty, which we see as a, a worldwide thing and even locally we see that too as I drive the bus I see houses around here that there are people living in poverty under our noses right within arm's reaches there are people who are struggling with finances and really probably with all these things on this list there's people that are struggling with those and so the big question becomes is if we're going to take care of them how can we help uh, this is something that we all want to know is how can we help in all those needs and the people around us. So I thought four things that, it's a four step process. So the first thing we can do is we can pray for God to reveal to us a need. Pray that God will reveal a need to us. So that's going back to James 1.5 where it says, if we need wisdom, ask for it, God will give it to us, right? First we have to have that revelation of what the need is. And we can't just, we can go out and we can probably pick something and choose something on our own accord and try to do whatever we want to do, but it may, not, may or may not work out in that way. So the first thing we do is we need to pray to God to reveal a need for us. The second thing is, once he's revealed that need for us, we need to pray about how God would have us fill that need. Right? So we need to pray how God for a need that God wants us to fill, and the second is pray that God will show us how to fill that need. And the third thing once God's shown us the need and how to fill it, we need to be a doer and not just a hearer and go out and do what God told us to do. Right? And then the fourth thing is after we've done it, we need to thank God for the wisdom that he's given us. Seems so simple, doesn't it? Something that's really common sense to us, but we overlook it at times. We, we see something we want to go do and we just jump in and do it. We don't ever go to the Lord on how to fulfill the need. 
maybe God's showing it to us. So maybe we just don't really want to look for a need at times. So we don't ask God to reveal something to us. Because if God doesn't reveal it, that means we don't have to change anything, right? We're doing everything good if God's not revealing anything to us. But that also means we're probably not speaking to him and spending time with him either if God's not revealing things in our life. So first thing is to pray about it. Pray to God to reveal it. Second thing is to pray about how to fill it. Third is to be a doer, not just a hearer. And fourth is to thank God for the wisdom. I hope you guys can kind of see the, the common theme through chapter one, how all, all these individual pieces fit together with this idea of going out and doing stuff for the God. Right? And listening to what he's telling us and asking for the wisdom for it. It all fits together in one package. It's not just individual things that we've covered the last, what, two months now? It's not been individual lessons, but it's really just been one big idea that God's trying to show us all. And so as we review the closing, this will be our last review on this section, on this chapter. So the first thing we have is be thankful. Right? Be thankful that God loves us. He's taking care of us. Rejoice that he wants to be his child. Trust God for the needs. Sin's not an accident. It's a process of mistakes, right? It's, it's a process of choices that we made. God wants us to change our heart, not just to change our behavior. Change behavior is good. People like that. It, it allows us to be accepted in the world around us. And people think it looks good, but it doesn't change our image with God. We want to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that will help us control our tongue, right? Be a doer and not just a hearer. And our last two that we today is to control our tongue, control that what we want to do, and control how we say things and let God be in charge of it and help the needy. And that he can love us with that. So let's close in prayer as we as the pianist comes up. And so as we leave today, I want you to spend time this week in prayer with people for the people around you and for God to give you wisdom on how to help them. What he tells me and what he tells you are maybe two different things. What he tells us as a church as we're praying for that, how to help the community. We can all come together for that. But in our individual lives, we need to spend time focusing on what God wants us to do and how God wants us to reach those around us. Because he has a plan for the people in our lives, whether it be a neighbor, somebody at the store. If you pray about it, God will reveal that need for you. God will speak deep into your life and let me show you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for just letting us come together today, Father. Father, I pray that you would just continue to speak to our lives as we go this week. Father, I pray that you would convict us as we, as we make choices that are not, not for you, Father, as we make choices that are against your nature. Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts that we will change those hearts in our lives, Father. Father, I pray that you would just give us the wisdom as we ask for it and just continue to love us. We praise you and we love you. In every day. Amen. Okay, everybody will see. We'll turn to page four now, be Jesus, I come.